Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and this is a very special solo episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Lucian could not join me, so I talk about uh, my experience with a new RPG I'll be playing called Blades in the Dark, as well as uh, learning how to roleplay and kind of get into roleplaying games. And it's free RPG day, so we talk a little bit about that. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined by you because Lucian isn't here. So thank you so much for coming out and watching a solo show of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Um, it's probably going to be a shorter show because I don't know how I can just talk for an hour, um, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. I want to thank you guys for coming out. I know it's weird that I'm on my channel rather than Lucian's, but he's hosting me, so I hope people find their way here. Uh, regardless. So yeah, thank you guys so much for coming out. Um, we have at least Indoor Adventure here, which I'm excited for. So um, we have a podcast now. So I've turned this show into a podcast um, because I was thinking about a lot of the stuff that I listen to, um, like Critical Role and a bunch of other podcasts that I listen to. And I don't watch Critical Role, but I listen to it. So I really like that it's a podcast. And I feel like this show will also do good as a podcast as well. So if you can't catch us live and sitting down and watching like an hour-long video really isn't for you, such as on YouTube, um, you should check out the podcast. I found um, I'm hosting it with Anchor. I'll put the link in the chat. Um, and if you're listening to this on the podcast, then this is awesome because it's working. So um, if you guys want to uh, consume the Saturday morning D&D show in a different format, um, it is there for you. And you can listen to it on your drive and anything else you want. It's kind of awesome. Um, I have some exciting news. I put it on Twitter a couple days ago, but I bought tickets to Gen Con. So Lucian and I are going to Gen Con together. Um, he was gracious enough to say that I can crash with him at his hotel, which saved me a bunch of money, considering that it's like a pretty expensive plane ticket for me to get out there. I've got to like hop between a couple airports to get out to Indianapolis. Um, so that was really awesome of him. So we're going to hang out at Gen Con. So if you're going to be at Gen Con, uh, come say hello. You can, you can tweet me at um, Jordan with a PH in the middle, um, and we can try and meet up because I'd love to see some people. And I think there's going to be quite a few uh, YouTubers there, and we're going we're gonna to hang out with a bunch of the YouTubers and, and what have you. So should be a lot of fun. Um, there is a gaming convention where I live called the Gem State Gaming Convention. I live in Idaho. Um, and here in Idaho, we're having a Gem State Gaming Convention July 20th. And I don't think any of my viewers are actually going to be at that, but I'm going to go to that one as well. So in July, I'll be going to the Gem State Gaming Convention. If you are in that area, please um, at me on Twitter and we can meet up and I can say hello. That would be really awesome. Um, other news. I should go see the Eye of the Beholder documentary on the art of D&D that helps get started. Yes. Uh, and I'm going to be answering a lot of... Um, um, questions today because uh, doing this solo, not having the banter back and forth and someone to like feed off of is really weird for me. So doing a solo show is just kind of odd. I don't know. But um, so I'm going to ask you guys to respond and have questions. And my cat is literally um, tearing apart my desk. So that's awesome. <laughs> hey, kitty, knock it off. Um, today is free RPG day. 
Uh, and I found out about this like a week and a half ago, I guess. And so right after this show is done, I'm going to be going to my local gaming store because they are participating in Free RPG Day. I guess they're running uh, D&D games and a bunch of other RPGs like all day. And then they have um, the free booklets. And so the whole, uh, what's the word? The whole reason that they're doing free RPG day um, or that this event exists is so that people that enjoy one RPG will hopefully try another. So if we give you like the basic rule set for a different RPG, you go home and run that with your friends or play it at your friendly local game store. Um, I'm excited for this. I just started a new campaign with a friend. We had a session zero and we created our characters and it's from an RPG called blades in the dark that he's really excited for. Um, and I love D&D, and I'm trying to branch out from D&D. Like, I want to uh, I want to just play other role-playing games because... And this is all because of Numenera. So when I was in the Numenera game on Saber Dice, that was the first game that I played that wasn't Dungeons & Dragons. And it was a very role-play-heavy system. And I learned about myself that I enjoy combat, and I enjoy, like, the the miniature combat of D&D. Like I like figuring things out. I like using my abilities and I like um, creating, uh, well, I like that a lot. And on the character creation side, I like creating characters with a theme. So like, for instance, I was working on a transmuter dwarf wizard that uses his transmutation magic to make um, stone pillars and stuff. And that's how he crafts. Like that's how he is a dwarf and dwarves craft things and they carve things out of stone. And he does that only in a magical sense. So I like creating themed characters, but uh, I'm very bad at role play in general, I guess. Um, it's different when I'm a dungeon master because I'm kind of like doing a whole bunch of things at once. But when I'm trying to like embody a character that I've created, I'm not the best at it. Um, so Numenera really pushed me in a new direction to do... Uh, role play heavy stuff. And there was a day that it like clicked for me and I was like, I'm going to uh, role play and I'm going to, and it was, I remember the exact thing is I was like, I don't feel like Ari would do this. And Mike, my DM was just like, well, nobody's playing Ari, but you. So do whatever you want to do, like do what feels comfortable, but like be engaging. Don't be like the brooding guy in the background. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And so the next day I did, did that. I was just like, what would Jordan do? And kind of like layered Jordan on top of Ari and created that character that way. And everybody in my group was just like, man, Jordan, you like really brought out the role play this session. Like that was awesome. So that's kind of where I fell in love with like RPGs in general, not just D&D. And I'm realizing that I like RPGs and I like this character building and I like themes and I like embodying that character. So even though I'm not the best at it, but that's okay. So long story short, I'm going to be in this Blades in the Dark RPG that my friend is starting. Um, and it's this kind of like, I want to say cyberpunk, but that's not it. It's like this Victorian era um, where there are ghosts and other like crazy factions, kind of like a, a post apocalyptic Victorian era RPG setting. Um, and I'm going to play a character called a whisper. That's kind of like a shaman that talks to ghosts and things like that. So I don't know. I'm really, I'm really excited for this RPG. Um, he has a really interesting idea where all of our schedules are really busy. So he wants to get like 12 to 14 people and then, hopefully of those 14 people, six people can make it. 
um, or six or under, I guess, um, because anything over six would just be too many people for an RPG table. But if we get six or under, then he'll run a session and it's going to be kind of like TV episodes. So in this episode, we have to accomplish this and like, we'll go out and we'll accomplish that. And by the end of the episode, we come back, our characters maybe level up or we gain, we gain uh, equipment or things like that. Um, and that carries over to the next TV episode. Um, but the next time I play, I might be able to make it, but so-and-so might not. So we kind of backfill with these characters. Um, it should be a really fun, it's, it's an interesting idea. And I was wondering how to equate it to Dungeons and Dragons as well. Like if you could do kind of a, a session every week that wasn't this ongoing story arc, which is what I'm used to with Dungeons and Dragons. But yeah. Um, Romaine asks, what RPG would I like to try on RPG day? There was an RPG about set in the eighties, I think. Um, it's like kids in the eighties and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's one listed with, um, free RPG day. And that's the one that I'm hoping I can snag. So, um, indoor adventure says that I could probably do that with the new water deep adventure and we'll see. Uh, I'm excited to read this water deep adventure and we'll see if it's more like the, the core group of characters has to stay there or if I could have like a rotating group that goes in, but I think it'll be really cool. So yeah, I'm playing, um, a, a whisper, which is like a ghost whisper and I'm going to talk to ghosts apparently. And, uh, it should be really cool. It's the system is interesting because we go on these adventures. This is blades in the dark. We go on these adventures and we don't write down the equipment that we took, but when the opportunity arises, like, oh, I need rope to scale this building, then you, you mark off rope. So it's this retroactive thing where we don't know the plan, but the idea is that we planned this ahead of time. We go into like a heist situation, um, or maybe it's an assassination, or maybe it's, uh, well, a heist and assassination are the only things that I can think of. But we have a goal, um, but we don't know necessarily how we're going to get that goal. But the idea is, is that we planned it. So while we're in the setting, it's like, oh, you know what? We planned for this. Jordan has rope. Or we planned for this, and um, I'm able to talk to the ghost to like power down a grid that allows us to walk through. And so we kind of like mark down equipment and, and things that we've prepped, uh, dur during play, as opposed to Dungeons and Dragons, where like, if you're a wizard, you're going to be like, okay, I took a long rest. Here are the spells that I'm, I'm hopefully going to need and use. And so you prep those beforehand before knowing what you'll actually need. Uh, it's really kind of an interesting things. Um, oh, Tales from the Loop. That is it, Romaine. That's, uh, awesome. I think that's the one that I was thinking of. It looks really awesome. Lucian is wearing a full set of 11th century Russian armor and fighting an event called the Border War. So you should all wish him luck and Godspeed on returning home safely. Um, and speaking of Lucian, he's running a game tonight that I'm going to be playing in. Um, me and Cyberwolf and Greybeard and somebody else, or maybe it's just us three. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, we're going to be running in a one shot that he's running tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. So check that out on his channel. Um, let's get into some of the stuff that I've been playing. So I have been doing my home game um, and my adventurers have dug into this uh, inverted pyramid. So I've got this inverted pyramid that's like in the ground. Um, they're not sure how it got there. Um, and 
we finally dug open a top or like the, 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 there's a bunch of like people at the dig site that have been digging and they found an entrance. So my adventures went down into the entrance. Now I'm using, I wanted there to be like a pressure within the inverted pyramid. And so I'm using the Shadowfell rules from the dungeon master's guide, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's gotta be the dungeon master's guide where you make a, um, either constitution or wisdom saving throw. I forget which one. I think it's wisdom. And then you have like a malady, like you are, um, you're full of despair or you're borderline insane. You're not sure what's real. Um, and it's been really fun. So two of my players rolled under the wisdom check and they have, one of them has despair. So she's just kind of like apathetic about everything and like nothing really matters. And why are we even trying, which is awesome. And she's playing it up really well. And the other one doesn't know what's real and has been playing that up really well too, with just kind of like, well, I don't know if that monster even exists or, and he walked head first into danger because he didn't believe that the monster that they were fighting existed, which was really awesome. But um, my players are level 10 and I am running them through this big dungeon that I, that I made. So it starts and I've got pictures here. So it starts here, like this is level one and then it goes down to level two. And so level two is smaller and it keeps going down and down and down um, till we get to the very bottom where there's going to be like a big boss fight, obviously. Maybe somebody in chat can remind me, but I'm not sure how many encounters are Wizards of the Coast recommends. I want to say it's like four to five or maybe it's four to six encounters per long rest, which I have never done. And I remember Matt Colville did a, a survey on Twitter and overwhelmingly people do one fight um, and then take a long rest has been what's usually happened. And it kind of makes sense because if you have a big epic fight and you don't necessarily have the hit dice to spend because when you're level two, you have two hit dice. So short rest doesn't really like factor into playing, I guess. But when you're level 10, you have 10 hit dice to spend. It kind of allows them to have more, um, more short rests. So right now I've been doing like three to four encounters per long rest. Um, but I'm wondering if I'm pushing my players too hard, but, and so I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I'm trying to push my players and prevent them from resting. Um, but I also don't necessarily want to kill them. But then I was thinking the other day that, well, this is going to get into another thing with adventure league, but, um, I need to whittle down their hit points and I need to make it scary and, and serious. So I want the I want the inverted pyramid to not be a pleasant place for them, and that's why I have the shadow shadowfell rules where they're taking um, like maladies, so they have a disadvantage on charisma checks and stuff, whether they they rolled under that wisdom saving throw, um, and the apathy and things like that. Coffee. Sorry and thank you. Um, and this kind of goes into um, a story with Adventure League. So when I was playing Adventure League last Thursday, uh, I went back to a table that I had played two weeks prior because um, I kind of jump tables when my DM isn't there. And he was like, well, we're going to pick off where we left off, pick up where we left off. And you guys left off with like seven troglodytes about to attack you. We didn't have any spell slots left. Well, I had one. Um, nobody had things like action surge and we were basically just, it was a bad fight. Like we didn't think we could win it. 
Um, our DM said, nope, I really don't want to give you a full rest. And two of the characters were kind of petitioning for a full rest because A, we missed a week and B, they leveled up. So they wanted to level up. And it's like, nope, you're not even level four yet. You're still level three because we need you to take a long rest before you can level up within this dungeon, like within his game. And we bit the bullet and did the fight. And one person like got knocked out, but I pumped a healing potion into him and they got back up and we won. And it was really amazing that we won. But that sense of accomplishment was heightened because the situation was dire. That's the same situation I want to give to my players in my home game. I want to make sure that they have a dire situation so that, um, oh, and thank you, Romaine. It is six to eight medium or hard encounters a day, page 84 of the DMG. So thank you, Romaine. Um, and so I don't know. Uh, I know some of my players watched the Saturday morning D&D show. I'm not sure if they catch every episode, but like I was talking to um, some people a couple days ago. I think I need a death. Like, I think my players need to understand that the stakes are real and that there needs to be a death within the uh, within my adventuring party. And so now I'm in a complicated position where I want to put them through the ringer, but I don't want to be like, well, Jordan just obviously threw something too difficult at them, and that's why they died. So it needs to be like this difficult fight where they barely win and one of them dies. That's hard to craft as a dungeon master. Like, that that's a really, I don't know. And maybe I just need to uh, throw hard encounter after hard encounter after hard encounter and really play by the rules. So <laughs> kill them, says Romaine. Uh, we, the last, uh, right before we, we broke, um, they decided to take a short rest. And I've been using Colville's um, short rest mechanics where you roll a D12. And if it's an 11, it's a medium encounter. And if it's 12, it's a hard encounter. Um, right before they rest, they basically get assaulted by monsters. So it prevents them, like, if you want to rest, there's a risk to it. And if you do a long rest, we'll roll 2d12 and we'll see what it is. So it's even more likely that you'll get attacked during a long rest because you're taking longer. They burst into an empty room. I rolled the d12 in front of everybody. It rolled on a 12, so they have a hard encounter. I think I'm going to use the new Ublix monsters from Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. Um, and I created created a hard encounter with that so i don't know we'll kind of see what we're doing um with that but i feel i feel like i can really mess them up just with that mechanic and hopefully they'll realize that it's the dice rolls and not jordan that's actually trying to kill them or hurt them um Indoor Adventure has a really good point of missing limbs and deteriorating senses and other like mental, physical things. Uh, I did, I was toying with the idea of perhaps putting some monsters on them that give them permanent insanities um, or maybe not permanent, but like semi-permanent insanities from Out of the Abyss um, and just kind of give them some kind of malady that way that really, I don't know, what's the word? Like showcases the evil of the dungeon and that they are not invincible. Um, that's the, that's what I really want to have come across for them is they're not invincible. So, and then also some of my players love combat and the other ones, they like combat. Okay. But I'm, I really feel like I made too many combat encounters in this dungeon and not enough, uh, puzzles. And I think I feel that way because of the last time we ran like a big, 
uh, dungeon was Tomb of Horrors, and that was mostly puzzles and trying to figure things out and very few encounters. And this one, it's kind of like they break into another room. Here's another encounter. They break into another room. They sort of have a puzzle, but the puzzle fails, and so that is another encounter. Um, it made me wonder if I'm getting DM burnout because I wasn't crafting interesting puzzles. I was more crafting just like, well, it's easy to throw together an encounter, so we'll do this. But I also prepped this a long time ago, so I don't know. It's kind of, kind of, yeah. Say la vie. <laughs> and then Adventure League. Um, I'm loving Adventure League more and more. They approached me last uh, Thursday to be a dungeon master, which was really like, I don't know. I thought that was awesome. There's lots of people that come to Adventure League. I don't know how many people they ask to be dungeon masters, but I thought it was cool that they thought I was... Um, competent enough and I guess I show up on a weekly basis so maybe it was just like hey you're here all the time do you want to run a game uh, but I told them that I was like yeah I run a home game so I would feel comfortable I don't know all of the Adventure League rules but I'm sure I can learn and they're just like it's not hard um, and my store is really cool because if you DM for Adventure League they give you discounts on games and supplies within their store and that's kind of the incentive to also be a Dungeon Master so that's really awesome so I'm going to go to Free RPG Day there today and see if I can talk to the owner about being a Dungeon Master and kind of joining this collective. Although I really love to play, um, I also really love to be a Dungeon Master. And I think uh, I was talking on um, the uh, podcast on my Patreon account um, with Lex Maindrake, and he was saying that as a Dungeon Master, he gets really... Uh, proud of his players and I, I'm hoping that I get a similar situation because I want to be able to be proud of my players and have a good time but they're randos so I'm going to get a table of like random players and there's going to be this like really awesome 17 year old and then there's going to be this like really awful 30 year old who can't find a party anywhere or can't find a home group so he comes to Adventure League and there's a reason that he can't find a home group because of the way he plays or the way he acts and Adventure League has to like include everybody uh, we'll, we'll see. Like, I've been really lucky. I've had some tables where I'm just kind of like, I don't want to play with you like ever again. But for the most part, I found like a really fun niche of people that I like playing Adventure League with. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, six, one, half a dozen of the other, I guess. But yeah. Um, and that's kind of like all that's been going on. I'm wondering if I have DM uh, burnout because I'm just kind of not motivated to craft the next section of my um, of my dungeon. Like I have this entire inverted pyramid mapped out, but I don't have anything mapped out after that. And I'm trying to figure out if I want to send them to space, if I want to send them to the Shadowfell, if I want to have a big climactic fight and ultimately that's how they get home and kind of end the adventure and then maybe run something else. Uh, like, I wonder if I can, I don't want to say milk this out, but if we can, if we can get the dungeon to last until um, Waterdeep comes out, Dragon Heist, then I might say, Hey, let's shift over and run that. And if running a pre-written adventure would make me feel better than running something from my own head. Uh, it's, these are the, these are the things I'm, I'm struggling with, I guess, as a dungeon master, but yeah, I don't know. Um, this might be a shorter episode. Uh, do you guys have any questions for me? Otherwise that's kind of what I've been doing in games. Um, uh, next week we should have more awesome stuff. I'm eager to get to the free RPG day. So 
we might wrap this up a little early, but unless you guys have some questions, we'll see. The kitten compels you. Have you ever made a magic indoor adventure asks, have you ever made a magic item you had to nerf after a period of time when you realize that it is too powerful? Um, I haven't had to nerf a magic item yet, but I definitely gave out too many magic items. Um, I built a bunch of these magic items uh, when we were playing um, fourth edition and then I converted them over to fifth edition and they were a little powerful, but I think giving one or two would have been fine, but I gave all five of my players one of them. So I created this dungeon that had um, a row of magic swords and they were all different colors. And there was a black sword, a white sword, green, blue, pink, yellow, all of these different colors. And every one of those swords did something cool. So like the light blue one if could cast um, slow. The green one could cast gust of wind. Um, the black one could cast darkness. Um, the red one did extra fire damage. The, bl- uh, the There's like a dark red one that did like necrotic v- vampiric damage and things like that. Um, it was more work for the dungeon master, so I don't recommend doing this, but I made it a complete dungeon depending on the swords they took activated monsters they had to fight. So if they took the white sword, um, which cast like daylight, they would have to fight a unicorn. If they took the dark red sword, which was like necrotic vampiric damage, they had to fight a vampire and so on and so on. So and different elementals based on what they picked. So they each picked a weapon. The swords after the fight would then change into a weapon they wanted. So like the, uh, I wanted it to be a weapon that they were proficient in. So um, the gnome, for example, got this, you know, long sword and couldn't use it. So she asked to change it into a mace. So it turned into a mace for her. Uh, So they each got these weapons and giving them, I don't know if it was overpowered, but like, I think just giving them all plus one weapons that did something extra. So like here's a, she now has a plus one mace that also can slow enemies and the vampiric sword did plus one damage, but could also, when you killed something with it, um, they got temporary hit points. And so I should have just be either been, here's a plus one weapon because that would have been balanced, but giving you a plus one weapon that does something extra. But then one of my players didn't even use it. So he ended up wanting to sell it um, pretty recently when I did a fantasy Costco episode where we sold a bunch of stuff. Um, I think just the sheer number of them. Uh, I usually base my weapons uh, when I create craft magic items. I usually base them off of something within the game. So I created a sword that breathes fire. And so basically it can cast the burning hand spell once per um, encounter. Uh, because I was still doing fourth edition stuff. So it was once per encounter rather than per, or once per short rest, I should say. Um, And that has worked out. So if you're crafting magic items, think about that. Like think about it casts the darkness spell or it does this, or the necrotic one was based off of the warlock ability. When they kill somebody, they get temporary hit points equal to their warlock level plus whatever. Um, The sword basically did that. So you're giving somebody a magic that is based off of rules that already exist. And then it's less overpowered, I think. So... 
Um, probably talked about it in another Saturday morning D&D show, says Romaine. But what do you think about Dragon Heist and Dungeon of the Mad Mage? So I love Undermountain a lot, um, which is the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Um, I'm excited for Water Water. I'm, I'm excited for Waterdeep, Dragon Heist, because I like the idea of a self-contained kind of city-only adventure. I was sort of hoping it would be higher level, so you get access to spells like um, scrying and things like that where you can kind of check on monsters and monsters can check on you or villains, I should say. Um, so I don't know, really, I'm really excited for Waterdeep. I mean, it's going to be low level. So I feel like it's going to kind of be like, I don't know. I mean, how many, how many skill challenges can you do when people want to do combat, but it's supposed to be less combat. I feel, I feel like I sound like I'm not excited for it, even though I am, but I guess really I'm just curious how it's going to work and I'm disappointed because I wanted it to be higher level. Like I want to have access to some of those higher level social magics to use in an adventure like uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Now Dungeon of the Mad Mage is going to be just a sweet funhouse dungeon from like levels five to 20. So as a dungeon master, I'm excited to be able to take aspects of that and put it into my home game. I don't think I'll run Dungeon of the Mad Mage just all the way through five to 20, but who knows, maybe I will. Like it, it's just really cool. And the fact that we're getting up to level 20 is um, really awesome because you don't see that a lot. So uh, the 3.5 book Undermountain. I've read a couple times because I've been stealing puzzles and stuff for my inverted pyramid. So I've read through that one and it's fun and there's lots of cool stuff and it's just a really epic challenge. And I love Funhouse Dungeons. I love that like a really crazy wizard made it and this wizard can do whatever the heck he wants. And so there's an entire room populated by evil unicorns, or there's an entire room where he's been experimenting with demons, or like there's just a weird puzzle and he has this weird puzzle for the sake of it just being a weird puzzle. Like there's just just, just a reason, a very simple reason to challenge the players. Um, and there's no like them figuring out like, well, what was this mad mage thinking? And you're like, well, don't think about that too much because he was crazy. So he did this because he was crazy. So I think it should be really fun. Um, hey, Cyberwolf, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. <laughs> Sorry that we're on uh, a different uh, channel this morning as opposed to um, Lucian's channel, but c'est la vie. Uh, and then... I've also been replaying Neverwinter Nights. Um, they came out with Never Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition, and I just started um, Hordes of the Underdark, which is one of the expansions. A really good expansion, by the way. I'm almost actually I shouldn't say I just started. I'm almost finished with it. But that one starts in Undermountain, and you actually run into um, some clones of the of Halaster the Mad Mage, and it just got me more excited for Waterdeep uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. So, although real pricey, like I love my Dungeons and Dragons, but I like that they have the books sparsed out. Um, and I guess this is, you know, September to November, that's pretty sparsed out, but, uh, I also want to buy like a Nintendo switch. So there's just lots of stuff I want to buy. And I'm like, ah, oh, you, you giving me two $50 books back to back wizards of the coast when I was planning on doing some other stuff and it's right around Christmas, but um, we'll make it work. So I'm sure I can buy it later or, you know, there's going to be tons of people doing reviews online. You can always figure out if you want to run it or not. Should be really awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, you guys are really great. Um, I think, don't forget, 
yes, don't forget con spending for Gen Con. I need to figure that out. Um, really excited for Gen Con. It's going to be tons of fun. Cyberwolf, I'm looking forward to hanging out with you tonight. Uh, we're going to play a game with Lucian. Um, and with that, I feel so bad for the people listening to this on a podcast because it's just Jordan talking to like people that they can't see. So this is probably the worst podcast episode we've made so far. <laughs> but yeah. Um, be sure to check out Sir Lucian's channel over at youtube.com slash user slash Sir Lucian. And my channel you can check out um, is youtube.com slash Jordan with a PH in the middle. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitch. I occasionally stream Neverwinter there. And um, check out the Saturday Morning D&D Show podcast. Um, the links are in the doobly-doo if you're watching this on um, YouTube. If you are not watching it on YouTube, uh, you're listening to it, and so you don't need the links. But yeah, uh, it's going to be really awesome. And if your friendly local game store is participating in Free RPG Day, go check it out. Uh, that's my phone. But go check it out because it's going to be uh, lots of fun. I'm really excited. And I'll be tweeting some photos and things like that. So follow me on Twitter. But you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for watching. And I will see you next Saturday with Lucian for a episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Um, take care, everybody. I will see you later. Bye-bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.